Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mikey Kickfight. And I am the Big Giant Head. Welcome to episode 181, Wrestling World 1996. Here we are. Masters of the Universe. 96, baby. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're in 96. We're getting ever so close to watching way too many Raws. You, you, <laughs> first match was again Starcast or Starcast Starcade '83. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So yeah, almost thirteen years along. Well, I guess it was at the end of '83, yeah, like so twelve time. years. I mean, still, yeah, yeah, we're covering mostly pay-per-views. Unfortunately, we didn't have, we weren't watching like a Georgia Championship or anything, which yeah. I'm sure there's fun stuff on there. Let this be a lesson to all of you listening. Yeah, it takes. 181 episodes to get through 12 years of wrestling. Yeah, we didn't watch. Oh, well, there was. Now a, it's just a, a, I mean, a you can do it in a lot less. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, there's. Um, so like, there's some angle I'm trying to remember. I think it was like either Ted DiBiase pile driving somebody on the floor or vice versa. But that's pre Million Dollar Man. Yeah. In the 80s. I don't know. But uh, we're in New Japan. We're in Japan. Not strictly New Japan. Yes. Well, this is the first wrestling world. And it was produced by New Japan Pro Wrestling and UWFI. The show would take place on January 4th, 1996 from the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. With an attendance of 54,000 people. It was also marked the 5th annual January 4th Tokyo Dome show held by New Japan. And still today. What does UWFI stand for? Ultimate Wrestling Fighting Invitational. That's my guess. Okay. That's a guess. I have no idea. I did not look it up. I just guessed off the top of my head. And see, I only asked because I figured Matt already had the I answer. I literally thought I had it written down. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. I, maybe like I. Like United Wrestling Federation Incorporated? I thought it was just UW. Oh, it's the I is international. Uh, Union okay. of Professional Wrestling Force International, better known as UWF International or U Inter or simply UWF. But are they a Japan-based? Yes. Okay. Do they have any connection with Korea? I'm going to go with no. Okay. I don't know. They have a really good logo. Oh, hey. I kind of dig that. Yeah, it's a solid logo. I hadn't seen their logo before. I've seen the UWF stuff on the guys' jackets and whatnot, but this is a different logo. It's very uh, very nice and uh, purple, which just makes me think of my favorite logo, the JCP logo. <laughs> Oh, JCP. R.I.P. Hey, Flair, uh, not Flair for the gold, of course, but Ric Flair's last match. That was the best thing of that whole show was that it was covered in JCP stuff. They even had, like, the, like, stage set up with, like, the weird gray panels. Mm -hmm. And uh, Did they have the full ramp to the stage? I don't believe they had the catwalk. But they had, but, like, they had the JCP logo. They had the purple jcp logo in the corner yeah, of the conrad time. actually bought great. the 
logo and stuff. He needs to put out some and some good merch, did, some good JCP merch. But he gave it back to the Crockett set after the show. That's well, cool. that's very nice of him. I hope that they do the right thing and make some nice T-shirts uh, so I can purchase a nice JCP shirt. JCP T-shirt. <laughs> but we're in Japan. We are in Japan. Yeah, we are. So that means Shane isn't in Philly. I'm not in Philly, but apparently I should have been because what I brought is it technically from Japan, but it's... It's good. There's it's the Korean version of something that they do in Japan. There's Japanese writing there on the bottom. There we oh, go. that's Korean. Yeah, it's Korean. Oh, it is. Yeah. See, that was my mistake, too. Is uh, I was like, I think this is Japan. I can Japanese. tell the difference between the languages written out because Korean uses more, like, basically what looks like a zero. It does say product of South Korea. It does. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's what I get for not reading labels. I looked at the front of the bottle. And I can't, uh, I can barely read English, but I love the and way the Korean language Jinro, works. Jinro, and I thought, like, Tenru and Shinje <laughs> and all these, and like, so yeah, this works. We're Midwest. We're not going to be racist and say that eh, they're all Asian countries. No, no. It was just. I'm just going to say that mistake. I do yeah. not read Japanese or Korean, so if I have them in front of me, I will sometimes, most likely, choose the wrong one, thinking it's the other one because I don't know how to read. And like I said, uh, this <clears> is a rice liqueur that yeah. is also yes I haven't officially like, even said what I got yeah let uh, them know what you got <laughs> so what happened was was I was at the liquor store and I saw these green bottles just staring at me from the case next to me and I thought ooh look the writing on it I think this is Japanese ooh look it has these cool flavors that reminded me of something that I had brought before that were these like Japanese sodas only these ones have alcohol in them so I thought awesome bet Whatever the kids are saying. And the most adorable frog logo. Yeah, it's got its adorable little frog logo on here. What I got was Jinro. It is a soju, which is a kind of a rice, a clear rice alcoholic beverage. Yeah, because like the, uh, in Japan it's shochu. That's their version of the same thing. So that's at least, at least it's, it's close enough. Yes. If you were looking for sochu and all you could find was soju, that's what we're caving. Yes. You know, like Oklahoma is known for its chicken fried steaks, but Kentucky Fried Chicken oftentimes will have a chicken fried steak on their menu. So, you know, it's it's a little bit the same, but it's not the same. These here, I got three different varieties. Uh, again, it's a Jinro Soju. One is grapefruit, one is green apple, and the other is plum. Green grape. Oh, green grape. Sorry, yes. Not green apple. Um, wild. That would have been awesome, too. I mean, plums and apples and, yeah. Yeah, these taste like... Alcoholic. Yeah, these uh, are are like a sweet <laughs> wine in a way, not fizzy or anything like that. But they have just a, a nice, clean, clear flavor to them. We've tried them individually, and then we decided to try them all together. And all together, tastes like a Capri really, Sun. really fucking good. Yeah. So now I'm gonna have to go and try and find some sochu. Is that what you said it was called? Shochu. Yeah, shochu is a similar thing where the in Japan they'll. The cocktail is the rice liqueur or liquor, and then like soda water and like fresh fruit juice. But then they also make them in cans, hmm. so you can get it in a can that's like pre-mixed. Famously, the Strong Zero, which you can get in vending machines, is like the ten percent alcohol version yes. of them. These but ones then there's are other brands 20%, as well. Yeah. Uh, looking them up, so that explains why after just a few sips, we're already going over our words. So. I apologize if it gets a little fumbly with our speaking here, but hey, 
Jinro, baby. Matt's got to say the names in Japanese. <laughs> I can help. Very <laughs> true. Why, why do you think I drink so much? <laughs> but yeah, I'm. Uh, even though I got it from the uh, the wrong country or to represent the wrong country, it's uh, it's still delicious. So yeah. hey, it's a, a happy mistake. It's a nice fruit fruit Definitely. wine. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Like I said, I already drank way too much. <laughs> You're welcome. So uh, what was happening around January 4th of 1996, Matthew? Well, the next week, Third Rock from the Sun would debut on NBC, and it would end up running for six seasons. Great show. Only Amazing six show. seasons, I guess. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty long run for a, uh, yeah. For yeah. a show. I mean, French Stewart, obviously the strongest career post third off from the sun um. <laughs> it's a joke guys okay, okay. Joke. i was like maybe he's done stuff that i don't realize no, i thought maybe be, he dipped over into it the, would be the breakout world it would be the breakout jgl and then of course our lead i mean you, you can't shoot down old christian johnson as well no she was great what, what else has she been in like i literally can't tell she... you anything else she's been in. i'll be honest i never watched the show it's one of those shows that i just like completely missed it's okay even though now i'm like a huge jgl fan she was kind of the it girl for just a short time and then post third rock wasn't she in one of the austin powers movies i think you're right i think she's done a a spot in there she may have played a a fembot or something yeah or she's jumped on or no she i think she might have played a lot did she play no she didn't play a lot of vagina no, that, that was, was uh, somebody else. Yeah, I gotta look her up now. Cause... But uh, and then John John Lithgow, who's wild great. wild to think that John Lithgow at one point did a TV show in the mid '90s, because yeah. like he was a a steady hand. And, he was an uh, Oscar nominated actor already. Yeah, which like, wasn't something that happened. Your yeah. your movie stars and award winners and nominees for you know big movies. They don't make their way to TV. Yeah, he was playing like lead roles in like De Palma movies, like when De Palma was a thing. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Kristen, why aren't you showing me her acting stuff? Maybe because she didn't do anything else. She was great on that show. Well, no, this has her listed as like a cinematographer. I'm like, come on, maybe I've just clicked the wrong. I think one. you have the wrong one because yeah. uh, there's a Kristen Johnson that did a documentary a couple of years ago. That, uh, like, that's why that I that the documentary is great. I typed in Kirsten and it brought up Kirsten Johnson instead of Kristen Johnston. Ah, which the documentary was great, but like literally before I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this is the third rock from the Sun Lady," <laughs> and then like it showed her, and I was like, "That's not the third rock." Well, from what the was Sun the documentary? Lady. What was the what was the premise at least? It was about moving her dad to out of new york and uh, it was it was about it was a battered dad okay so it was a uh, oh like a dick johnson is dead mm, okay um basically it was a it was a way to for her to have closure on him about to die um, before he died basically they like filled like a fake funeral and everything she was but enough about kirsten johnson ivana yeah. hump a lot on yeah, Austin Powers, uh, and Shag Me. She was Wilma in the yes Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas, the second one. Oh, well, Sally Solomon, obviously. Obviously, uh, yeah. why I don't remember because she had a yeah. She she did a lot of guest appearances and stuff after Third Rock. She was in Sex in the City. She had a six episode stint on ER. Music and lyrics, the movie with. Uh, I guess she was just on Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, and our flag means death. 
which are both great shows. She played Patty in the Ab Fab TV movie. There's 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 a movie that no one in America knows anything about. Yeah, I mean, I've watched some absolutely fabulous as a kid, but I didn't quite get it. I was like, I don't, yeah. Well, learn something new every day. She was on an episode of As the World Turns, and that was one of my favorite soap operas when I was younger. Uh, she's now a uh, recurring character on Mom, the TV show. Or I guess I shouldn't say now because it's over. It's like, the show's yeah, over. but she yeah. was on there for three years. It's hard to get six seasons now. Third Rock for the Sun had a pretty decent run. Yeah, she's a two-time Emmy winner for third, her third Rock character. But yeah, John Lithgow, great. Jane Curtin, great. The whole oh, cast. I forgot Jane Curtin was even on the show. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she, she, she was the old Dick's love interest. You had yeah. William Shatner who played the big giant head when he came along. Man, yeah, I haven't watched the show since I was a kid. You've got uh, Jan Hooks from Saturday Night Live, who, yeah, she was old. I can't remember his character's name, but French Stewart's girlfriend, wife, mm. baby mama. Third Walk was great. I appreciated it more after it was over. While it was on, it always pissed me off because John Withrow or everybody from that show kept winning awards when I wanted somebody <laughs> else to win an Emmy. I uh, give but it. Then a, I actually it watched it. And it was good. I need a new. Uh, 30-minute sitcom to run through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great show. You've got aliens that come to Earth to learn what we do, Plus, and uh, they become more human than human. I have Peacock for, for this show. Might as well use it for something other than wrestling. Peacock. It's NBC? Yeah. But it's it, may, either, but it, it may might be owned Hulu. by a different production company. At this point, yeah. yeah. Eh, whatever. It, we'll figure it once out. Once upon a time, it was on Hulu, because that's where I watched it the last time. But Three seasons of it's on Hoopla. Ooh. And four seasons is on Sling, but not all six seasons are on anything. <laughs> well, you know, Justice for Third Rock for Without the buying it. Gotta I make mean, you work for it. Just a stream. You yeah. can stream it on those, but... It's probably all on YouTube under, like, in a Russian account, so I can find it. Yeah. But there's a will, there's a way. Of your uh, your 90s comedies, it was it was one of them that was up there, you know. It was kind of one of the... Your Friends, your Fraser, your Will and Grace. The oddball ones that was like, oh... Kind of like Drew Carey show. It's like, oh, I watched the shit out of Drew Carey show, yeah, but nobody ever talks about the Drew, Drew Carey, Carey show anymore. Too. Yep. Same, actually. Now that you mention it, nobody yeah. even talks about him on Price is Right anymore. Also funny that now there's a million beers that taste like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but is there a coffee that tastes... Well, I was going to say, is there a coffee that tastes like a beer? Hopefully not. Probably. I mean, I've got my nitro cold brew. So, I mean, it's a coffee yeah. in a keg. But... There you go. Well, let's talk some Wrestling World 96. Let's do it. And we watch this on NJPW World. So literally, they're all broken down into individual matches. So they're in the ring, ready to go. Yeah. Basically, it's just cut down to where there's no entrances or exits because of music rights. But if you know anything about New Japan shows, it's match, match, match. Maybe an intermission match. Like, it's not, we're not doing, uh, we're not doing angles in the back or anything. No. No, uh, no wild promos. We're here to wrestle. When the match is over, the mic's cut off, and you know that the next one is on its way. Mm-hmm. So we go straight to our first match. Kenichi Yamamoto, Kazushi Sakuraba, <laughs> and Hiromitsu Kanahara versus Tokimichu Ishizawa, Shinjiro Otani, and Yuji Nagata. I was so sad that Shinjiro doesn't have a, sol- a solo match, but it's okay. So this is actually the first of three New Japan versus UWFI matchups on the card. That was kind of like what was going on in 
this time. Basically, UWFI had invaded okay. New Japan at the end of 95, that kind of thing. And this is the this is the payoff. This is, is the payoff, is, basically. Uh, yeah, a handful of matches, guys versus guys. Yeah, UWFI probably has a decent following if they're going to do this at the Tokyo Dome. Because as you'll hear, New Japan guys get bigger cheers, but the UWF guys have a section of these 54,000 people that are also very audible. And also a little bit more information about UWFI before we move any farther. Basically, their style was a shoot style. Yeah, which you will be able almost, to tell very quickly. Almost UFC, pre- precursor to UFC, that was predetermined finishes. Yeah, it's kind of the the you know the Enochiism thing. Like UWFI yeah. is doing it already. Yeah. Okay, is that why? I mean, not to give too much away, but is that why on so many matches the person that was across the ring looked like they were like yeah, anticipating getting hit out of nowhere? Yeah, yes. because those okay. guys were kicking. Because I kept watching them that through the show, going mostly real. Why is everybody acting like they're afraid to get hit? Because but yeah, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Okay. I picked up on it in this first match, and then it made, when I picked up on it, it made some of the later matches more exciting than they might be if you weren't aware. So let's talk about Sakuraba. He's actually a UFC Hall of Famer. Oh, I'm familiar with the name, but I believe this is the first Sakuraba I've seen. He was the first Japanese champion in UFC history as well as being a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. The last time we saw Ishizawa and Nagata was at Collision in Korea, episode 161. Hey, see? I brought Korean beer for a reason. Or whatever (laughs) this is, wine, something. So Nagata and Sakuraba would start with a battle for arm control, when they would just start slapping each other. Otani would come in to take Sakuraba down with kicks and stomps. Which brings Yamamoto in to deliver some knees in a corner, which Otani fights his way free for more free swinging and a spinning heel kick. Ishizawa now comes in and gets ground control, but everyone just keeps tagging in and out with Matt grappling, with the New Japan guys seeming to have the advantage. Kinohara gets held down in a corner, allowing Nagata and Otani to deliver some top rope stomps. Kinohara then delivers a stiff palm strike to knock Otani down, allowing Sakuraba to come in with kicks, which leads the two fighting over an arm breaker that neither can quite get locked in. Nagata's then in with rapid fire strikes and a takedown, getting some ground and pound with lots of jawing as well. And he hits that uh, neck snap shoot-looking suplex that finally like pops the crowd because it's the first big move as these guys have been... It looks more like a kickboxing match at this point. Yeah. Ishizawa hits a back body drop on Sakuraba, works a headlock and a leg lock before bringing Nagata back in, which allows Sakuraba to head to his corner for a tag. Kanahara then tries to take Nagata down to the mat, but Nagata controls long enough to get to his side of the ring, which backs Kanahara up to bring in Yamamoto. He delivers several stiff shots to Nagata to take him down to a knee, which causes a six count. When Nagata finally makes it back to his feet, Yamamoto walks right into a belly-to-belly suplex, followed by a cross armbreaker for the submission and, and the win. win. So yeah, this match kind of like 
kind of gives you an idea of what the show is gonna be gonna look like like there's it's very shoot style in this match and there's three wrestling like moves like holds or (laughs) tosses that happen in this match and all three of them got large pops there's belly to belly there's the neck snap and maybe another thing Uh, but i counted them as like three traditional wrestling moves a leg lock yeah. <laughs> well, I meant like tosses, but yeah. So we go to our second match. Hiroyoshi Tenzan versus Satoshi Kojima. I love on uh, New Japan World how they'll give like weird titles to matches. And this one was the Triumphal Homecoming Game. <laughs> All right. I'm sure there's like some uh, translation stuff because if you're on New Japan World, you just click English and then it turns things to English like anytime. Hiroshi Hase comes up. It always says Stephen Hiroshi. And I'm like, who is Steve? And then I click the match and I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's Hase. We haven't seen Satoshi since Battlefield 94, episode 109. And a lot of that's because he's returning from Excursion. And this is his first match back. Yep, uh, they're talking shit to each other. Koji gets the bigger pop. But Tenzon's here to show what he's got. So Kojima attacks before the bell with Mongolian chops and a lariat that sends Hiroyoshi to the floor, where Satoshi follows out with a tope suicida. Back in the ring, the two trade shoulder blocks and lariats, with Tenzon getting staggered, allowing Kojima to hit a vertical suplex. Satoshi then charges into a big boot, allowing Hiroyoshi to leap off the second rope with a Mongolian chop of his own, sending Kojima to the ropes, who ducks a spinning heel kick and delivers his own. Satoshi then goes to a chin lock, which Tenzon escapes with a jawbreaker, which leads to strikes and chops exchanged by the two. Hiroyoshi then nails Kojima in the corner with a lariat, tries for a second one, only for Satoshi to avoid and nail a release German suplex. Kojima looks to hit another, but the two fight over the waist lock when Satoshi delivers a mule kick to Hiroyoshi, <laughs> followed by a sit-out spine buster, a top rope elbow drop, and a moonsault for a two count. Kojima goes up top again, only for Tenzon to meet him there and deliver an avalanche Samoan drop for a near fall. Hiroyoshi then hits a moonsault for a two count. A much better moonsault. Yes. More Mongolian chops and a Samoan drop before heading up top again for a diving headbutt, for the pin, and the win. Post-match, Satoshi attacks again from behind, knocking Tenzon out to the floor until some of the ring attendants can back him off. I mean, a great start to what I assume is a long rivalry of the new guy comes back from excursion, beats an established guy, and uh, he's pissed at the young buck. Yeah, these guys have a huge rivalry over the years before actually joining forces to be Tin Cozy. And they actually still wrestle as a tag team a little bit every once in a while to this day. The dad status. That's what they're called? Tin Cozy? I like that name. So we go to our third match. All right, this one I have to make an official announcement. I was not able to watch this whole match because I was watching it on the uh, zip drive and about two minutes into it, it popped this error message up that said, 
function not allowed, and then it just skipped to the next match. And oh. then it blacked out that that match. So oh, I did not get to watch this one, and I figured it's going to be an awesome match because that's usually how it goes. With is... these uh, junior heavyweight championship matches. Yes. Between our champion. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Koji Kanemoto for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. So I'm really excited because I didn't even read the notes to see who wins, so I'm going to listen to story yeah. time on this one. Yeah, Kanemoto is our current champion. Yes. So Jushin has some sweet half-red, half-blue gear. Yes, I saw that. On. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was very. It was some nice flavor. The man's had some great costumes over the year, just color changes, essentially. The exception of his first appearance, which is in a completely different costume, if you'd like to look it up. But is the hair real, or is it part of the mask? Part of the mask. Okay. I don't know. I don't can't remember if I've asked that before, but I've always kind of wondered that. Yeah, the two to- the two times that I've seen Kenshin Liger, which is like evil Jushin Liger, the mask comes off and he's bald. That'd be weird. I don't know if I could. Kill it he basically or... looks like a bald uh, Muta. Yeah, he looks scary though. Whenever he does the Kenshin Liger thing, he's like he'll have like just like fucked up makeup on his I think face. That would freak me out if I watched a, one of his matches like that because I've only ever seen Jushin as Jushin. So yeah, just uh, YouTube Kenshin Liger. It'll be uh, worth your time, <laughs> I promise. So the two men shake hands to begin before some back and forth action that leads to a spinning heel kick from Koji, followed by a belly to belly suplex that sends Liger out to the floor to regroup only for Kanemoto to leap over the ropes with a plancha. Kochi then hops right back up to the top rope for a crossbody, throws Jushin back to the ring before delivering a missile dropkick. Kanemoto then places Liger in a tree of woe, allowing him to nail a running dropkick, followed by snapmares, chin locks, kicks, and slaps to keep control. Jushin fights back to land a dropkick to the knee, followed by a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker to slow the momentum. But a kick to the head keeps Koji on the attack, locking on a single-leg crab. Liger would counter into a surfboard, and a Romero special, complete with a chin lock, to really wrench on the back. They make it back to their feet when Kanemoto immediately hits a spinning heel kick before working the legs, including a figure four which causes Jushin to fight his way to the ropes to break the hold. Koji would keep up the attack with kicks and chops when Liger would return the favor, taking Kanemoto down to the mat where they go back and forth with some mat wrestling. Jushin hits a pair of kapoo kicks in the corner before nailing a Frankensteiner for a two count. Liger then delivers not one, not two, not three, <laughs> but four fishermen busters. Damn. For the pin. And no, Koji kicks out. And the crowd goes wild. I mean, I went wild because it was like, it's like one, two, three. I was like, oh, he's only going to do three. And then I was like, scratch, scratch, scratch. No, four fishermen busters. <laughs> Jushin continues with a brain buster for a near fall. A released German that ends up sending Kanemoto sliding all the way out to the floor, where a baseball slide sends Koji into a guardrail. I mean, he dropped him right on his head. <laughs> Liger then flies off the top rope with a crossbody that sees Kanemoto not make it back into the ring until the count of 19. Jushin goes for another Frankensteiner, only for Koji to block, causing Liger to crash to the mat 
followed by Kanemoto hitting a spinning kick, a body slam, and a second rope corkscrew senton. Koji heads up top for a moonsault, but Jushin dodges and nails a superplex for a two count, followed by a backbreaker and goes to the top rope himself, only for Kanemoto the meeting there to attempt a superplex of his own. But Liger blocks and knocks Koji down with a headbutt. Jushin then leaps off, only for Kanemoto to get his boot up, allowing Koji to deliver a Frankensteiner and a basement dropkick, making the cover with one foot. Kanemoto then hits a Liger bomb and a moonsault for the pin. And And no, no, Jushin kicks out. Koji then hits a straight jacket release suplex and another moonsault for the pin. And no, Liger kicks out again. Damn. Kanemoto continues with a body slam and heads up top. This time for a corkscrew senton. But Jushin avoids and rolls up Koji with a La Magistrale for a near fall. Koji with a vertical suplex and goes for a crossbody. But Liger sidesteps it, causing Kanemoto to faceplant himself. Jushin then hits a trio of Liger bombs <laughs> for a two count before going up top for a corkscrew moonsault for the pin and, and the win. win. And new! This is the shit that we love. I feel so bad for Shane right now. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is the one? This is the one? That's how it always goes. <laughs> if it's a, a kick-ass match, that's when my... Usually it's my internet, but yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to pull up old uh, this is uh, New Japan on my phone and just watch this match like in my car or something. It's incredibly uh, worthy of being a IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title match, and it might even be <laughs> the first worthy. Just say it. Yeah, the first how it always list. works. Yep. Short and list. Yeah. yeah. Usually like, oh. if, if I'm not able to watch a show or a match, it's almost a guarantee that it's going to be on the list. The benefit of, uh, you know, New Japan having January 4 shows has the drop on potential shortlist matches. But you know what was missing from last year's shortlist? A show from January 4th. Uh, that's true. Yeah, there were no shortlist matches on last year's. I can't even remember... I think it was just one of those that was like good but not great. Yeah. There was just way too many matches on yeah. the previous year. On that we I believe it. That we That's all just right. went like... Sorry. We got what yeah. we asked for and then we regretted it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want all these matches at that full length. Exactly right like, nope, give them back to me with five minutes shaved off because <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Well, now we're back to matches that I've seen, so woohoo! So we go to our fourth match. Shiro Koshinika versus Masahiro Chono with Masa Saito. And the last time we saw Shiro was at Battle 7, episode 140. So it was that January 4th, 1995 episode that yep. with too many matches on it. <laughs> yeah. So it gets going with Koshinika hits a hip attack as the announcements are still being made. And uh, this is, I guess, a hot feud because each guy is kind of, is part of a different like heel gang yeah. in, in each uh, promotion. The, like, they're, they're, they're both in New Japan. Oh, they're both. Oh, okay. They, they are both in New Japan. All right, but they're but yeah, they're from different 
gangs. Factions. Yeah, yeah, because the factions are like, you know, we have Suzuki Goon. Like, this is a uh, Ishin Goon and like Okami Goon thing. So yeah. it's like, I don't know exactly what those mean, but I know that they are probably like heel gangs. Yeah. That hip attack sends Masahiro out to the floor. They get back in the ring, and it's back and forth with arm and leg work by the two men. When Chono rakes the eyes to escape. The two men then no-sell Yakuza kicks and hip attacks respectfully before Shiro grabs a waist lock, only for Masahiro to mule kick down low, followed by a Yakuza kick that works and a top rope shoulder block for a two count. Chono then applies a sleeper before turning it into an inverted DDT. And the STF. Shiro slowly crawls his way to the ropes to break the hold. Masahiro then tosses Koshinake out to the floor, where he pulls up the mat and sets up for a pile driver. But Shiro reverses with a back body drop and attempts a power bomb, only for Chono to rake the eyes in midair to counter. Masahiro rams Koshinika into the ring post Posted. before rolling him back in, then proceeds to the top turnbuckle, where Shiro meets him to deliver a superplex. A corner hip attack, and Shiro goes for a dragon suplex, when Masa Saito would jump on the apron to distract the ref, allowing Chono to hit another low-blow mule kick. Masahiro would continue with an inverted atomic drop, but Kashinika would continuously kick Chono away when he would try to go for the STF again. Did you notice that Masahiro Ch- Chono was not ready for that spot, so they had to run it back? Yeah. I was like, oh, man. Like He like lost his place and then hit the ropes again, essentially, to finish the A-drop. And I was like, man, it was very surprising to see. But that blocking by Shiro allows him to return to his feet to nail a German suplex. For an earfall, Shiro would continue with a top rope hip attack, and Saito would jump on the apron again, so he gets a hip attack as well. Koshinika would then deliver a power bomb to Masahiro for a two count. When the crowd wakes up, because they kind of died down a little bit. Followed by a small package for the pin and And the win. So I wasn't expecting Masa to uh, lose the match. I agree with that. One. I mean, I don't, I don't know the other guy really, but I just figured this is Masa, my hero Chono, and who the fuck is going to take him down? I guess, yeah. I guess Koshinika. Koshinika. Uh, but the uh, yeah, it was weird because the crowd was really hot to start. They kind of died down, even though the match was good and heavy hitting, and then they popped for the. Uh, power bomb right before the yep. end and I was like were they down because it's a heel versus heel match but like they're both you know I assume the like leaders of their factions I can't imagine Masahiro Chono not being the leader of his faction he's definitely the leader <laughs> yeah. of his so we go to our fifth match special game Hiromishi Fuyuki with Gato and Jado versus Yoji Anjo and this was actually a... These two guys were actually from different promotions than either New Japan or Yeah, Fuyuki's, I assume, from War, if he's with Gato, yes. uh, Jado and Gato. And he's got one hell of a look. He's the uh, beefy boy in yellow. Okay, yeah, that's with, what I was with, trying with, to with picture. With the hair. He's got uh, charisma and, he's got and some weight behind him. Yeah. 
Dr. Tom Pritchard, Luscious <laughs> Lux. Uh-huh. Actually, I just checked my notes. Anjo was from UWFI. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But it's not a New Japan UWFI match. It's War. Fuyuki is from War. So That's why it's a special game. But we have seen Hiramishi before at the G1 Climax 93, episode 97. In a little bit. He was in one of those edited matches that we... Okay, that Not makes like sense. Three seconds of that makes sense. Why I don't remember him very well, but I <laughs> but I remembered him this or like I made note of him because I enjoyed him so much and his look. I like the beefy uh, Japanese guys. So Fuyuki and his goons attack before the bell, hitting a triple team power bomb, but it seems to have just pissed off Yoji. They roll to the floor where Anjo sprays Hiromichi in the face with some kind of aerosol spray before heading back into the ring. Fuyuki then offers a handshake from the apron, but Yuji just lays it in with a headbutt and a turnbuckle smashes, only for Hiromishi to return the favor. Anjo with several kicks, and then offers a handshake as well in jest. Call back. Before continuing the beatdown, he drops and attempting a cross arm breaker. But Fuyuki fires up with Mongolian chops, headbutts, and kicks, only for Yuji to mule kick to change the momentum. Anjo would nail a roundhouse kick to the head, which brings Gato and Jado to the apron to provide a distraction, allowing Hiromichi to nail a low blow of his own. They brawl out to the floor with the goons getting involved, wrapping duct tape around Joji's face. Back in the ring, Fuyuki with a lariat for a two count, tries for another, only for Anjo to counter into a Fujiwara armbar, which brings the goons into the ring to interfere and deliver another triple-team powerbomb. Damn. All with the ref just looking on. <laughs> yeah, that uh, confused the hell out of me, because... Well, like, I mean, have you ever is watched... Is it like it? a no-DQ match? Have What's we, going on here? They don't call for disqualifications <laughs> in J- Japanese wrestling. Basically. Yeah, they don't, yeah. they. That's that's where we... Why ECW and AEW really don't even need refs. <laughs> I would prefer if they did, but you know. Hiromichi would then hit a lariat for the pin. And, and the win. win. So like after watching this match, I literally texted Michael, because he watches Japanese wrestling now. And I literally told him, I was like, this reminds me of a young gentleman named Toriyanu <laughs> with the duct tape. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. like, he always y- Yanu, like... Yanu is basically the comedy guy mm-hmm. in New Japan now. And, like, literally every match there for a while, he used duct tape to like, yeah. try and win matches. Basically, he would duct tape them to guardrails and then he, run back yeah, in. Yeah, like, he'd, like, hide rolls. Like, he'd have, like, know. five rolls of duct tape yeah. hidden in his, like, on his person. Uh, <laughs> but some of the other stuff that they did, I was just like, this is so House of Torture. Yeah. Like, gimmicks. And, uh, and then I just went, oh, it's... Gato and Jado, like of course. Tonight they're they're basically in the booking committee for New Japan now. Okay, so it's twenty five years before yeah. we're getting all this stuff. Yeah, and so it's, it's just like, like oh, we've seen these influences. Oh, this is they've had these ideas for the last twenty five years. It's just more prevalent yeah. now. Yeah, and I'm sure they used him at times in between. Oh, definitely. But you know, as far as the stuff that we're more familiar with or seeing on a regular basis, but it's good though, right? The stuff now. Uh, it depends on what you. I mean, there's always good, always good stuff in New Japan, but there's 
things that you might get tired of seeing. Let's just say the House of Torture is the stuff that most people complain about but it, in it's, Japan at it, this point. It is getting better, but it's it, it was it wore out its welcome real quick. Yeah. But it is getting more interesting. Hmm. So we're headed to our sixth match. Kinzuke Sasaki versus Hiroshi Hase. Let's go in a Northern Lights final match. Do you know why it was a Northern Lights final match? I do, because I looked in uh, your notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you should tell our <laughs> listeners. I'll get there. Wait, so we haven't seen Hiroshi since Collision in Korea, episode 161. And this match was actually billed, before the show actually happened, as Hase's retirement match. As he had already won his first election to the House of Counselors, which is kind of like the U.S. Senate. Huh. Yeah, he's, in a, Japan. he's a, one of uh, a handful of Japanese wrestlers that have, uh, you know, lended their hand to the Japanese government. To this day, I believe he's a governor of one of the provi- uh, province, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Areas toward territory. I know. I can't remember the, what the right word. Uh, it's not province. It Regions. is. Uh, I know what you mean. I should know this. I can't think of it. I apologize to all our Japanese listeners. But one of yeah, yeah. The um, he's the the Jesse Ventura of Japan, <laughs> or would that be a Noki? They can fight it out for I mean, this to be the Jesse Ventura. Ventura was a senator that became a governor, or was I'd a vice versa. He's probably the Ventura, which. Except for more likable. I like Jesse Ventura. <laughs> I mean, you know, not all of his ideas, but I like him more than Glenn Jacobs at this point. <laughs> He's just a mayor. Yeah. So the match is going as both men are back and forth. Prefecture. I didn't even start. look it up. It yeah. came to me. Prefecture. Prefecture. Thank you. So the two men are back and forth to start when they go into a test of strength. Woo! Only for Hiroshi to bridge out and deliver a hook kick. Kanzuki fires up with shoulder blocks. Hase counters with chops until Suzaki takes Hiroshi down for some ground and pound. Hase finally escapes and transitions into an Indian deathlock. Only for Kazuki to grab a hammerlock, causing both men to reach for the ropes to break the holds. The two men would then trade strikes when Hiroshi is floored with the ref checking to make sure he was conscious. And Sasaki starts to work the arm, when Hase blocks a whip to deliver a Russian leg sweep, a Uranagi, a missile dropkick, and a kip-up. Damn. Didn't mean nothing to him. Just like, eh, another day. Yeah, just clocked in. <clears throat> what is it, Tuesday? Hiroshi goes for the swing, doing 16 rotations by my count. I was thinking, is Hase do the airplane spin regularly? Yes. I feel like uh, there's been plenty of matches where I haven't seen it, but I was like, I don't know. It seemed like maybe it's been a while. He then goes for another Uranagi, but Kanzuke counters with a judo toss. Suzaki keeps it up with a running drop kick, then fakes a corner lariat, only to deliver a face plant and apply the scorpion deathlock cranking on the back until Hase can get a hand under the ropes. Kanzuki goes back to the legs before trying for a powerbomb, only to fall down with Hiroshi on top for a two-count. Hase then follows up with a bridging German for an airfall, 
and a Northern Lights for a two count. Hiroshi then tries for a Dragon Suplex. The Sasaki fights his way free and nails a Uranagi of his own for a near fall. Kanzuki then goes for the Stranglehold Gamma, only for Hase to counter into an inverse STF. Stranglehold Gamma is that like a? It's one of his finisher. Yeah, holds. But it's like a sleeper. It's type like a but like looks like a butterfly sleeper hold type. Oh, thing. okay, all right. Hiroshi then works the leg with stomps before attempting a figure four, only for Suzaki to kick him away. Mahase comes right back with an elbow drop, but runs into a power slam, followed by multiple Kazuki lariats. Suzaki then hits a Northern Lights brainbuster for the pin and, and the win. win. So post-match, Kazuki is visibly emotional as Hase, I believe, trained him. Yeah, it's one of those things like, oh, he put me over on his way out. Uh, he's been a staple. And Hase doesn't feel like he's that old. Either. That's what I was going to say. He doesn't look much older, but like, um, maybe he's one of those like early day prodigies or something where he started wrestling at eight years old and started training at 13. But Yeah, because as we'll see later, like Ricky Choshu keeps looking older and older. And even, yes. uh, I, I think it was Koshinaka... And Chono, I feel like in my notes, I was like, oh, Koshinaka looks like he's aged more. Or like quickly. But Hase still, you know, looks like he's got uh, years left in him. He would have been 35 at this point. Yeah. Okay. 30, maybe even 34. Yeah. Now that's where when guys actually fucking get a push. There's also a ceremony where Hiroshi is presented a robe. And then Hase and Suzaki both address the crowd before the two men hug each other. So, like I said, was billed as a retirement match. But, as most wrestlers, they can't quite always kick the bug. Gotta have at least one more in you. So how long was his break? And he would continue to work as a part-timer, mostly in all Japan. But we will see him again, because we cover mostly New Japan. Yeah. I know there's All Japan has a huge 90s, but hey guys, we got so much ECW to cover. Uh, but we'll see him again in 2001. So, it'll be a few years, but we'll see him again. Hmm. So, I'm not too sad. Yeah, huh. yeah. I assume his part-time was either payoffs or tag stuff. Yeah, it's probably just some. It wasn't a huge like push or anything. Yeah, yeah. Been. I'll miss you until then. Just a draw, Hase. Likewise, you're one of the ones that stood out to me in the beginning when I started watching uh, Japanese wrestling. So. Oh yeah, I mean those matches with uh, some of those matches with the Road Warriors. He was the one that got maybe the most devastating move I've ever seen in wrestling. <laughs> Steiner Screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, he just like throws him up just to slam him <clears throat> down, and maybe the most vulnerable position you could be. So we go to our seventh match. Big Van Vader versus Antonio Inoki. In the Inoki Final Countdown, Nikon Sports News 50th anniversary match. I don't know why it's all that, but I guess it's sponsored <laughs> by uh, the Sports News uh, in Japan, which supposedly has a long relationship with New Japan, where they will shoot kayfabe stories. Well, I'm glad you got all that info, because, yeah. So, once again, another know. one of those... This part of Inoki's final countdown 
retirement tour that goes on for Today. quite some time. Still going? Um, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the chin that wouldn't kick be. out. The chin that wouldn't die. I know I know. we will see him at least one more time. Right. Yeah. Collision in Korea if Part 2. Him and Flair one last time. Bring it. But we haven't seen Vader since Bash the Beach 95, episode 159. And Antonio since Collision in Korea, episode 161. And the match gets going as Vader jumps Antonio with a shoulder tackle before the bell. But Inoki rolls out to kill the momentum. Back in the ring, the two lock up, only for Vader to use his power advantage for a body slam and stiff shots in the corner. Those Vader shoot shots, brother. Antonio looks to fight back, but his punches are doing nothing. Only for one punch from Vader to knock Inoki back down. And it seriously just looks like he's just beating up an old man, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Vader goes for another body slam, but Antonio counters into a head scissors that takes them both tumbling over the ropes to the floor, where Vader slams Anoki on the timekeeper's table. Vader then continues by slamming the table on Antonio before returning to the ring, but when Anoki gets on the apron, Vader delivers a lariat to knock him back down. I mean, the crowd is hot, as they should be, considering it. Antonio Inoki, of all people, just allowed for a table spot. I guess I should bring up a little bit of history here, just because we didn't cover it, but... I mean, it's in the title of the show. Vader's very first match in New Japan... Was against it. Was against Inoki, and he beat him. Okay. So yeah, if this is the final tour, probably his last match with Vader, at least what we assume at the moment. Vader and beat Anoki or Anoki be, beat Vader in this the first is hot Vader beat Anoki. Okay. So this would be, yeah, Anoki potentially getting his win back. Can he do it? He's he's yeah. older, Vader is fucking Vader. A concrete. He was probably just playing vomit. Vader back then. He didn't even become the big man until like two years later. Vader tries again with the Lariat. Only for Antonio to duck this time. And lock in an Anoki Chokey, <laughs> which Vader eye pokes to escape. Uh oh. Back in the ring, Vader hits a released German, dropping Antonio right on his head. And the crowd goes apeshit. Yeah, that was uh, almost cringy. I know. Because I watched and went, oh my god. Because it was just perfect back of the neck. With head. a chin that big, too, he could have cracked his sternum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pushed it right through. <laughs> Vader then tosses Antonio out to the ramp, where Vader continues with headbutts before charging at Anoki, who back body drops him back into the ring, followed by a top rope knee drop. Antonio with kicks to the hamstring and an insiguri that sends Vader out to the floor. You gotta work that tree, brother. Anoki then hits a kick from the apron that causes Vader to stumble over the guardrail onto more officials' tables. You'll love to see it. Antonio is stalking after Vader, using a chair over the head. Whew. But Vader recovers to throw a chair at Anoki, which misses before tossing more tables around just because he's pissed. Yeah, he, I'm, he how angry he is and the way he throws that chair sells that uh, he is pissed. It does yeah. not feel performative. Vader makes his way back to the ring, and at this point we see that he's busted open. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how that happened. 
he hit himself with something I, as he was throwing it. If there was a secret blade job, I think it might have been. The, I think it might have been the a, chair a, shot. It was the chair shot. Yeah, but, see, I didn't yeah. notice him bleeding before, and then it was like all of a sudden there was blood. And yeah, I well, I mean, with a, with a if, like yeah, if a, with a blade job, you're gonna bleed faster than an actual shot because it's it doesn't look like a blade job from where the blood comes from. And in Japan, at least in New Japan, you don't see a lot of blade jobs. You definitely don't see them today, but I don't think that they were a real thing even at this point in New Japan. Yeah. And Antonio is very happy. He's feeling himself. Because he goes right after that cut. Nails another Insiguri before locking on a Fujiwara armbar. Only for Vader to power out. Vader then locks on a sleeper in the middle of the ring. But Antonio is able to free himself momentarily. Only for Vader to deliver a power slam for a two count. And a choke slam. For a near fall. Folds, folds in my laundry right in half. Anoki now has blood on him as he slides out of a powerbomb attempt. But Vader still nails him with several elbows before locking on a dragon sleeper, which Antonio escapes with some well-placed knees. Vader then hits another body slam and a Vader bomb for the near Ooh. fall. Crowd's he- going, like, really nuts. Not just regular nuts. Like... Cracker Jacks. Climbs to the top this time for a Vader salt. For the pin. And no! Anoki kicks out. Vader then delivers an avalanche splash in the corner. And he tries for a second one. Only for Antonio to dodge and body slam Vader. Oof. Which leads to a cross arm breaker. For the submission. And, and the win. win. Can I get a great shit? It was great shit. It was great shit. <laughs> it's great it shit. Post match, the two men show respect to each other, giving each other hugs before Anoki receives a trophy. It's very funny. It feels like Vader's giving Antonio Anoki like the like good job little brother energy, even though Anoki's uh, older. But yeah, that's the that was the vibe. Uh, potentially the best Anoki match we've watched. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I would say that it's definitely the most high energy, hardest hitting, and most emotional uh, Antonio Noki match. So I'm going to go with 100% the best Noki match we've seen. Because we always get excited for Noki matches, and they're always kind of let down, as none of them have really delivered the greatness that, that we, we, know, that we expect. Heard of. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and I think then, this one fucking. They, they didn't leave. They left it all. Like, right before the finish, both of these men are so exhausted. Yes. That, yeah. You Who can feel thought? it. And Antonio just had the, you know, picked the arm and got the win. Yeah, who would have thought? I mean, I've seen him in a match with Flair. seen him in a match with Regal. Can't have a match with those two guys. I don't know why. Well, I mean, Va- even continue to yeah. try, but who knew that it would take Vader to bring out the full fire inside of Anoki? But I guess it's because they had history and Vader's more start to finish. Yeah, Vader's had more experience working in Japan than I think. Yeah, Flair and Regal. He, he worked the stiffer style. Yeah, and Anoki and can talk to him in Japanese while he's doing stuff in between <laughs> too. Because I heard him saying, stuff. "I don't know." Vader. No. Well, I swear it sounded like he was saying a few things to him in the ring there. And it didn't sound, I mean, it didn't sound like English, but it could have just been Leon. Yeah, his Japanese was probably like my kitchen Spanish. <laughs> Mas pan. Yeah. Punch me in the eye. I'm sure that, I'm sure that if Anoki <laughs> called a spot in Japanese, Vader could get it. 
So we go to our eighth match. Masahito Kakahara versus Riki Choshu. And this is another one of our New Japan versus UWFI matchups. It says it's from an intercontinental tournament. So I don't I assume this is the final for that, but I don't have much information. I do know that uh, Masahito Kakahara uh, is young and Riki Choshu is, is not. not. Yes. And Mata Masahito is also one of those people that I kept thinking, why is he looking like he's afraid to get hit? But it makes sense. So yeah, probably yeah, because yeah, yeah, Ricky Toshu's um, a big boy, a big tan boy. So the last time we saw Ricky was at Battle Seven, episode one forty, and Masahito goes right after Choshu with kicks and knees, but they're just shrugged off by Ricky to lay it in with headbutts, knees, and kicks of his own. Choshu then lands a punch that knocks Kakahara down to the mat, where they grapple with Ricky using his size advantage to dominate. Choshu hits a slam, goes for a lariat, which Masahito ducks, allowing him to kick Ricky out to the floor. Back in the ring, Choshu grabs Kakahara on a kick attempt and delivers a Saito suplex, a lariat, and applies the Scorpion Deathlock for the submission and, and the, the win. Quick. I love that there's like a bit more of a story here that like Masahito is very tough, but he's a one trick pony with kicks. Yes. And Masahiro is a seasoned wrestler that is going to wait it out and pick his spots and is able to pretty quickly. But that's kind of what I got out of it. It is a better match than it sounds, but it is quick. Yeah. It's, yeah. That, one of the things that I kept thinking as I was watching this was, what the fuck is with the kicks? Like, do something different. But, yeah. That's all he's got. Like, he's this... He really had nothing. He's like this more shoot guy, and he's like, well, I'll just try to kick this old man down. But that old man has, has been around, around the block enough times to see the weaknesses and uh, take advantage of yep. So, like I said earlier, there's three of these New Japan versus UWFI matchups. New Japan's won the first two, so they're technically the winner of this feud. feud. Yeah. But we'll see what happens in that third match, which is coming up soon. But first, we go to our ninth match. Ultra Kick. So, you know, I'm excited. Ultra Kick. That's what it said. They have these weird, <laughs> sub, like, not subtitles, but, like, names for the matches on New Japan World. This one was Ultra Kick, and I got excited because, well, if Shinya Hashimoto is involved, then the other, and it's called Ultra Kick, the other man must be pretty good at kicking as well. And that man is Kazooie Yamazaki, and he's facing Shinya Hashimoto. Now, Kazooie is actually, at this point in 2022, is an instructor in the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo. Oh, okay. And he occasionally does some color commentary for the Japanese broadcast. Oh, that's really cool. He looks like a barroom brawler, but so does Shinya Hashimoto. Although Shinya Hashimoto has that cherub face. Cherub, a cherub with, with sideburns. So the two both deliver some kicks as a feeling out process. With Shinya's doing a little more damage, but Yamazaki nails one to the head to knock Hashimoto down. I got excited. I was like, is this 
an all-kick match. Kazooie begins to work the arm when Shinya dumps Yamazaki down to the mat to escape and roll out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Kazooie goes right back to the arm when Hashimoto delivers several throat thrusts to stop the momentum. Shinya delivers an elbow drop and starts working Yamazaki's arm until they have another kick exchange, which leads to an arm wrench exchange ending in a Hashimoto arm slam. Shinya then goes for a suplex, only for Kazooie to slip out and hook on a sleeper, <laughs> causing Hashimoto to crawl his way to the ropes. Yamazaki puts it back on before transitioning to an arm breaker, so Shinya rolls over and deadlifts Kazooie up and dropping him hard on the mat to escape. Yamazaki goes back to the kicks, which just seems to fire up Hashimoto. He's had enough. Who delivers a huge open hand slap <laughs> and kicks of his own before nailing a brain buster Oof. for the pin and, and the, the win. win. The boys are hitting hard this January 4th. Yes. Like um, that disgusting brain buster. I'm uh, definitely liking this show more than the 95 definitely. January 4th show. This is probably my favorite January 4th show we've lost. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the... Uh, and I love that he tried to get the Brain Buster earlier, and, you know, it's when he locked that sleeper back on. He fucking nails it. And I love kick fights. So we go to our 10th match. Nobuhiko Takata versus Keiji Muta for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And this is the third of our interpromotional matchups. It is. Yep. Uh, KG gets the bigger pop, but both get a good one, as UWFI fans are definitely here. Well, Takata used to work in New Japan, but he broke off, to, and he had become the big guy, the big star of UWFI, um, as he is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And... Also, a little backstory here. These two had actually matched up a few months earlier with KG winning in front of the largest crowd in Japanese history at the time with 67,000 people at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, Damn. wow. And that was a UWFI show? or Yes. Wow. Hmm. That's crazy. Big-ass crowd. Yeah, that's 10,000 more. 1996. This is 54, and you said it was 66? 67,000. 67. Jesus. Yeah. Damn. So these two men shake hands before having a feeling-out process to start, including some kicks and mat wrestling, where Muda goes for a figure four, only for Takata to make it to the ropes. They're back on the feet and to probe with kicks once more, before going back to the mat where Nobuhiko tries for a Kimura, only for Keiji to fight it off. Muda then nails several headbutts to make it back to his feet, hits a flash elbow drop, a knee lift, and multiple kicks. Saito suplex and a moonsault by Keiji, but instead of a cover, he goes for an arm breaker, but Takata makes the ropes. A strike exchange with Nobuhiko getting the advantage with a Saito suplex of his own, locking in a knee bar, that causes Muta to make his way to the ropes to break the hold. There's a shot of uh, Anoki in the crowd with his eye bandaged up. And yeah, he's on commentary. For yeah, his match. and the crowd goes nuts just because they 
Yeah. They put it on the screen or whatever, but they're just like, you know. Vader poked his eye out. Poked his damn eye out. Not his damn eye. Takata continues with more kicks until KG catches one to deliver a dragon screw and applies the figure four with Nobuhiko being forced to make the ropes. Muto with another dragon screw and goes for the figure four again, but Takata blocks it from being fully applied and transitions it into a knee bar, again with them both rolling to the ropes. Nobuhiko takes down Keiji with knees and a judo toss, locking in an arm breaker, only for Muda to roll to the ropes once more. Keiji is floored with a kick and another arm breaker by Takata in the middle of the ring for the submission and, and the win. win. And you! Pretty crazy. But no, I'm just the, the crowd is just like eating this up and waiting for every time he tries to pick Muda's arm, the crowd goes bananas because they know it's over if, if he locks it on. Yeah. So like it's teased correctly throughout the whole match and it's the perfect ending and a surprising one for me personally. Yeah, this, uh, I don't know, this match just had a... A different vibe to it from the very start because I'd never heard of Nobuhiku Takata before but he had just that the look of a champion like there was something that stood out about him at one point I couldn't tell if he was the same age as Muda or younger but it was like I was looking at two different versions of the same person standing across uh, from each other yeah and it has a what they call the big match feel it's yeah. like I don't even know who yeah. this there guy just, is I'm not familiar yeah, with something but this I, feels I knew who he was just I'd heard of yeah, Takata heard before, yeah, yeah. but never having seen any of his work before. But literally, they start going, and I'm just like, okay, like yeah. this is the kind of match. This is like, the kind of match that I'm gonna like. There was something different about Muto in this one as well, just because I don't know his his whole mannerisms that he had throughout the match. He was another one who I was looking at as this match was going on, and he had that hesitation of he looked like he was worried about get getting kicked hit in the face yeah. yeah and i just kept watching i was focused on him for the majority of it just watching his movements because i couldn't tell if i was seeing things or thinking i was seeing things which was making me see what wasn't actually happening and yeah it was just a trip there was just something different it's like when i watch a charlotte flair match now and i know when she's going to lose the match because of a certain face that she makes where she gets this like teary-eyed look I can always tell when she makes that face during a match that she's losing her belt on that match to whoever it may be. And I just kept watching him thinking, are they really going to give it to this guy I've never yeah. heard of before? And boom, there it went. And yeah, it's a fantastic finish, but it's the kind of match where every paying you, you're forced to register and pay attention to everything mm -hmm. that happens. The crowd obviously is a huge help to that, uh, but these guys both look like formidable op opponents obviously yeah. but they also look like they're in a fight yes which is the uwfi thing it's like the i know that later in its history new japan does sneaks in some of the like shoot fight stuff to almost fucking bankruptcy mm -hmm. but here it feels like a plus 
even in those earlier matches, which are not nearly as exciting, it still adds a tension that feels real. Well, I think on this show they found a good medium. Yeah, like the absolutely. two styles. Mm-hmm. Like that... Like, er- mo- like <clears throat> in most of those matchups, there was those moments when it was that shoot style and it was kind of like, uh, okay, but it would kick into gear and you would get the wrestling that we know and love, the, the strong style. Yeah. And that's when match would take over and it's like, okay, cool. Like, it all built together. And there's kind of a story between the three because the first one is the six man. Mm-hmm. It's the first show on the match and guys are, you know, the New Japan guys are taking the shoot blows or whatever, but they only do like three wrestling tosses. Yes. But each one gets a pop and New Japan wins because they can strike, but they can also find the gap and put on the wrestling hold. And then in the second one, Choshu wins for the same reason as he's the veteran that can take a kick and this guy might be a better striker, but he finds the hole and gets the win. And then in this last one, this guy's started as a wrestler and is doing more shoot stuff now and he is more well-rounded and gets the best of Muda. So they're doled out nicely and then on top of that you get Anoki and Vader uh, really beating the shit out of each other so I think the shoot aspect on this show is kind of incredible that they found the right percentage they just built up and up so there's some post-match for this main event wrestlers from both companies end up filling the ring while Nobuhiku is presented with the belt and a trophy Shiro Koshinika then grabs the mic and starts yelling at Takata, staking his claim for a match. But Nobuhiku then calls out Hashimoto, who accepts as the next challenger. Yep, gets in the ring face to face. A brawl almost breaks out as Shinya and Takata get into each other's faces, but they keep things under control. But then Kazuke Sasaki also grabs a mic to stake a claim as UWFI wrestlers then carry Nobuhiku out of the arena. But before he leaves, Anoki enters, calling him back to shake his hand and congratulate him on his victory before we fade to black. So gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of Wrestling World 1996? Watch the whole thing. This is a great series of 10 matches that there's not even one I would cut because it's just the flow of show and match to match. Like, it was not bored, and it builds to what I think might be the best Tokyo Dome main event we've watched. It, the show just builds so well and really pulled the rug out from under me at the end. Yep. In a, in a good way. We love to be surprised. I was like, it's... New Japan, they're bigger than UWFI. Like, of course, Katie Moon is going to win. But no, they they did the right thing. I mean, that's New the, Japan that's got the over the first two. Thing. Yeah, like, they got they won the first. They two. just put the belt on a different promotion's top star. Yeah, and my assumption is that Hashimoto will take the belt off of him, establishing Hashimoto as a you know, like he's already a like one of the top of the card guys but establish him I think it would 
probably be I, my assumption is his second time holding the belt. I believe he's already been champion. He's already been champion. Yeah. So one, yeah. So. so like you know this. I think this will be if he beats him, which I don't know if we'll watch or not. But my assumption would be Shinya beats him, brings the belt back home. He has a longer run with it, and it makes him the Shinya Hashimoto that uh, is talked about. But that's also incredibly intelligent way to to build a star that you've already tested. Yes. So I've got nothing bad to say about this. Yeah, this show, I mean, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I very rarely do with the New Japan shows, but this one was an easy watch. Even though I didn't know a lot of the people that were in there, it still kept my attention. I'm picturing Muda coming back for his revenge at some point, like red face with a white tear for every person that he takes down. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm I'm happy with this show. Easy watch. It had some twists in there. The only thing was I kept finding myself distracted, not realizing it was just those three matches. You know, seeing that, stuff, I yeah. could tell that the New Japan guys were just a little hesitant to take those first hits because it was like they didn't know what they were getting into. And... Yeah. yeah, how hard is this guy going to come It still in? made it good, yeah. Because it made it seem that much more real. To answer your question about, because we, we won't see the match between Shinya and Takata, Shinya does win, okay, and he actually holds the belt for the longest reign until the Okada reign. Ooh! Okay. In, I nailed it, that's the, awesome. <laughs> late 2000s. All right, well, you know, I will be watching that match. I will be searching it out because uh, it sounds uh, important. And obviously it's important, but it's definitely going to look different than a Muda-Takata match because Shinya Hashimoto is, if you duct taped two Mudas together, he's a big boy. Well, I hope Takata and that little jawline dimple of his were proud of that title for the length of time that they had it. They fucking earned it. <laughs> My thoughts on the show, we get the beginning of the shoot style here in New Japan. And as you mentioned, that's where New Japan starts going more towards. And that's... It starts this early? It's kind of the dark times of New Japan a little bit. Until about 2001-ish. Okay, I didn't think that the shoot stuff that really was bad was until like the 2000s. Like, I mean, later, maybe but, yeah. maybe it it's not quite that yet. Yeah, but yeah. I know it starts it starts creeping in. Like the creeping in. Yeah, there is definitely more good than bad mm-hmm. on this show. I think we have three matches that are top quality. We, if we were to give ratings, they're, they're four and a halfs at least. Yeah, you're talking Anoki Vader, Muda, yeah. and uh, I mean, Takata. at least in my opinion, I mean... And Jushin. And then, of course, the Liger match. Is that, yeah. Those are the... Those Absolutely. Are the three. But Absolutely. I, yeah, I don't think any of these matches were not worthy of the 54,000 person crowd. No. No, definitely. So, like, yeah, not, nothing was like a... Nothing was a stinker. I don't personally think. I mean, I'm going to say that, like, a few of the first couple matches, it was kind of like, it was not quite under, knowing what I was getting with UWF. Yeah. It was a little offsetting, 
to get into. Yeah. But once I figured out, like, oh, yeah, that's right, they're the shoot style type. Yeah. The it, second, it made more sense. The second, I mean, the like, second match, I guess, was Tenzan yeah. Kojima, which is different. Just fun. And see, that's the hard part for me was I didn't know a lot of the people. I knew the the people in the Inoki match. The yeah, we, match, I mean, a lot of these guys the, are new for us too. Like, I'm not yeah. familiar with the UWF crew at all. But in the second line of my notes, uh, I normally write notes that are from my own head that are not what's happening in the ring. Uh, in parentheses, and on the second line, uh, it says shoot style question mark, and then the next two lines, it says uh, shoot style uh, underline. So I was like, oh, I got it. I got it quick. Uh, and then I was impressed with the blending of it, and then the way that each one of those shoot matches built to one that was, you know, more of a 50 50 than the other ones. Where it's like, oh, shoot, 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 a wrestling move. Yeah. And then uh, Masahiro gets over more wrestling, and then the other one feels more 50 50, but hard hitting. And for the uh, big gold. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? Vader and Anoki. It's so good, and the energy is so good, and the crowd is so hot, and they don't take advantage of how hot the crowd is by doing less. If anything, they feed into it and do more. Because they could have, they didn't have to go this hard. And it still would and it still would have been a great match, but they fucking left it all out there to the point where both guys were fucking blown up, and Anoki got the best of the bigger guy with less stamina. Yep. To avenge himself on his tour. It's fun seeing two guys that I know of as dads in New Japan, Tenzan and Kojima, going head-to-head in Kojima's first match back from excursion. Kojima looks even, is even beefier to like he might have the biggest pecs in wrestling like yeah. uh today and he's probably like fucking 50 it's the, crazy that tins on moonsault yeah and then like it's something that's kind of funny nowadays but they do the mongolian chops and here they look good yeah now they don't <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i so was impressed was, with so them. that was like i was like yes mongolian chops that actually look good that's that's awesome yeah, I was very impressed with the Mongolian chops looking good because I'm so used to them being very hand wavy. Since I'm a guy that's only been watching New Japan since like regularly since like 2018. Yeah. Uh, and I've gone back and watched some stuff, but it was stuff from 2015, 16. I haven't gone this far back. Yeah. Best moments. I mean, yeah, the Anoki Vader match was great. I'm trying to think. Shout out for Jushin's gear. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was I fun. Say, I did see Jushin's gear. I don't know. I it's gonna. You know what the thing that I'm most disappoint? I'm I'm the most sad about that you didn't get to see. Sad was the four fisherman busters that Jushin yes. gives because I, I was mean, like literally he just. I was, was like, like three. That's one. All right, cool. Two. Oh, okay. Three. <laughs> yeah. Pin, pin in the lip. No. no. Four. Yeah. One to grow. In the kick out, I was yeah. like. Because you know, as uh, like. <laughs> 
fans of wrestling, you train yourself when you see certain things to be like, oh, well, the third one. Or it's like, oh, that's the third one. Or this, like, it's a callback spot, so the guy is going to move out of the way or counter. And it's nice when they subvert it with the fourth thing. It's kind of like, it's like, oh, in comedy, if you have a joke, then you do, like, three tags, like, throughout the joke. And then you're, you know, and then the the kicker. And here it was funny because it's like, oh, anytime they do something, it's four. And it's like the the odd even number. <laughs> it's uh, against what everybody's programmed to think. So when you do it at the right time, it really resonates. Uh, Plus they're I, fisherman busters. I know we've talked the Anoki match already, but that uh, German... From Vader to him. Oh, it drops him on his head. Yeah, that one just Hell stands yeah. out big time. I mentioned it a minute ago as well, but Takata, it's, it has nothing to do with the match itself, but it's while he was standing there talking, there was just this little dimple in his chin, or his jawline, and it was like, I just kept staring at it. I don't know why, but Shane, it was one of my favorite moments. Shane, yeah. Shane has a crush. I mean, hey, he was a handsome not? man. He was. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Muda won't stop going to the leg and it's his downfall like the stories that are told in ring and all of these matches are don't need a piper's pit it almost felt like muda muda's downfall was that he tried to play dakota's game in getting and going for a submission which is not kg's thing should have made him play his game exactly because that's how the other two new japan guys won was by playing their game masahiro chono waited for his spots and landed wrestling holds oh sorry ricky choshu sorry uh he waited for his spots and did wrestling moves to win same with the uh six-man tag and i'd like to think that that was the psychology for the setup but it could have very well been an accident. It's like when people read too far into a movie and the director's like, I don't know. It's whatever you want it to be, I guess. But like, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. But when wrestling is good, you can read into it as deeply as a fucking poem from the fucking 17th century if you want Absolutely. to. How about most disappointing? Not getting to see the Liger. Yeah, for you. The full match. <laughs> that, that is definitely set yeah. for you. Well, we, you. You can get it. You've got the login yeah. for New Japan World. Yep, I just got to pull it up on my phone. Mm. It's worth it. Definitely. <laughs> so much of the I'm afraid to get hit flinches, at least for me, they they stood out to me each time. So had there not been that, I think the matches would have been a whole lot. Not that the matches were bad at all, but it was just slightly distracting because I find myself then watching the next match going, all right, who's going to flinch in this oh, one? Oh, yeah, who's, in, in who's from UWF, who's not from yeah. UWF. Yeah, I feel like I had a good idea who was UWF and who wasn't, so... That was the thing, is I didn't even know what UWF was about, so it was yeah. just, why are they doing this? Yeah. Why Why is he looking like he's afraid to yeah. get hit? Stop it. Uh, yeah, I kind of had, uh, I guess, a little bit more of an idea, and I recognized it early, so those just added, like more tension and had me watching uh more closely i don't know if i have really any things that really I, the only thing i have like no net positive my only net, net issue really with the entire show is it was obvious that choshu was like i want to be on the show 
And so they were like, which UWF guy do we just want to throw to him just to get him on the <laughs> oh, show? Because yeah. that dude should not be in the ring with Ricky Joshi. No. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't really think about it. I just assumed he was somebody. But I don't. I think he was like one of their young lions. Oh, okay. So you're just tossing him to Ricky Choshu yeah. for Ricky Choshu to be a name on the card because people will show up for exactly. Ricky Choshu. Yep. Okay, yeah. That's a. I mean, honestly, I didn't think about that at all. But if I would agree with you, if that's the case, which it sounds like it is, because there's nothing else that I mean, I'm upset about on this show. He literally gets some kicks and knees right at the beginning of the match, and then Ricky takes over and. It's a squash match, which in looking back overall at the whole New Japan UWFI feud, yeah, it was it was a feud in name only as basically New Japan booked it completely and they just put all of their guys, they just kept putting their guys over. Like oh, literally really? Takata, would... Takata beating Muda is the only like major match that UWF ever really won in the entire feud. And, I mean, it's the it's the right one, especially considering that they end up doing that with Hashimoto. Yeah. But it is... like It's, it's kind of funny. It's also weird because they drew less people technically than... Or not technically. They drew less people than the UWF Literally. show. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's the second match and I mean, not the first one. January 4th yeah. instead of a... I think it was like in October. Yeah. So maybe it was just when it was. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And also it's the first time Muda and him had a match, so it's going to be more people are going to come out of the woodwork and travel for it. The first one over the second one. How about best performer of the night? That almost feels impossible. I mean, part of me wants to give it to Vader. Part of me wants to give it to Takata. Yeah. Just because Takata made me believe. It has nothing to do with the man crush. It's just there I mean, was something that stood I out think about I have him. To give that... it, I mean, Takata, I think, is probably the right answer because it's literally someone we knew nothing about. He won he, the belt. And he, and he made us believe that he was worth that victory yeah. by yeah. the end of the match. And it's the biggest victory he could have yeah. for the New Japan, for the IWGP heavyweight belt. My heart wants to give it to Hase, though, just because <laughs> I, we love Hase. Hase yeah. and, and it's his. Retired retirement match. Yeah, I guess my biggest disappointment would be that I was hoping for an Otani singles match, but he's not. He's a junior heavyweight, and he's not the number one contender, so it makes sense that he wasn't there. But yeah. whatever, like somebody that's just a, a you know. Somebody small, had to small kick off the show. Yeah, exactly. He that's was like on when the show. Shingo doesn't have a. Yeah. Doesn't have a singles match. It's like. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like no. We don't want to see him in a six-man, but I mean, you know, that we everybody gets their turn and their spot, and Tani has had it and delivered, so I'm not worried about him. How about most surprising? Takata winning. Anoki's best match. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, that was... I mean, I wasn't expecting that, that Vader we, that to be there. That we've seen. I should, I should yeah, play, yeah, that yeah, seen. that we've seen. Yeah. I'm sure he's had incredible matches that we haven't yeah. seen, but on this show, we've been consistently disappointed, Yeah. and this one... Maybe the disappointment was worth it for this one to deliver so hard. Absolutely. Yeah, Anoki's last match, or best match, I should say. Vader being there in general, I wasn't. I had no clue he was going to be there. Was, I mean, this is the last yeah, time. This is the last time we'll see, I think we see him in New Japan. Yeah. Um, obviously, he'll show up someplace else in a couple of weeks. 
Yeah, Takata winning. I wasn't expecting Muda to drop it to somebody that I had never heard of before, but there's a lot of people I haven't heard of, so I guess it's always a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great, great fucking show. Great mm-hmm. wrestling show. It's not one of those ones where it's like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it really builds the whole way through. Actually, my next most surprising is what's happening next, because I was not remembering that. <laughs> It's trivia time! Oh my gosh, alright. Damn, yeah. good point. We did the... I forgot, we did the uh, the Best end of the news. Dusties, and right. we flip back to the trivia now. Try to give our Dusty finishes a little bit of breathing room, so we don't catch up on ourselves, basically. We throw these yeah. trivia questions in. Gotta make time for history to happen, man. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so these two, we're gonna fight it out over the course of season five. Oh shit. With the loser we all know ha- how the last time ended. The Shame loser having to sing a wrestling theme song. We'll see if right. Shane can avenge. Insert Shane's little last singing song right here so everybody can have a, a refresher. No, on. they, they got to go back to that episode. <laughs> it's collected. It was yeah. uh, it's back in uh, Making Their Way to the Ring, Volume 1, which was episode 138. Matt, with I'm, the total recall. I'm recalling that off the top of my head, yeah. and if that's wrong, I apologize. It's in that area. I'm, I'm no help with that because I can't remember. I just know that I either sang the Bella Twins song, the Road Warriors, Vince McMahon's, or Demolition. It was Demolition. You, you sang Demolition. I was giving them a... Oh, oh you were giving them a... Way to go, spoilers. Sorry. You can beep it out. <laughs> Three points for me. <laughs> But this week, the category is the numbers game. The numbers game. Uh-huh. All oh, right. Shit. The numbers game. I can hear the song now. <laughs> so five points for the closest without going over. Price is right rules. Okay. I should mention that every question that we're covering this season is from 1993 to 1994. Okay. I wasn't for sure if we were going to be doing like all the way back from the beginning I'm not, until... I'm not including... Uh, okay, well, this, those, yeah, this could we're be... We're going to 94 and not 95? Just 93 and 94. Okay. Right. This could be a benefit. Yeah, we, we space these out so you don't, you're not remembering answers from stuff we just covered. Yeah. yeah. Because I had one of those questions before, I think. You, you gotta... <laughs> So how many wrestlers did we cover in 1993 to 1994? If a wrestler had multiple gimmicks, they just count as one person. Okay. 1993 to 1994. And I'm going to mention that you guys gave ridiculously low numbers. Yeah, that was the beginning. On this one last time. Okay. Yeah, I want to say mine was like 27 or 54 or something like that. And you went like 80. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, guys, there's like 30 people in a Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah. That's um, a hint. That's the only one you get. I'm going, okay. I got, I'm going to throw out a number right now. 148. 
You went with 148. I should have made you guys write these down so that way you couldn't. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Because now well, I can. So I'll give Shane the advantage. Now I can kind of do that prices right thing where Already I can either go one above or I can even go just. Go right ahead, one. buddy. This is my gift. You to said you. 148. 148. Fuck it. Let's do. We've got Japan. We've got WCW. We've got WWF. We've got ECW in there. No collision in Korea. We don't have any of the. <laughs> Whatever it was in Texas, uh, you de- no. it's fifty-five shows. Fifty-five shows. Well, I'm going to say over a two-year span, fifty-five shows, four different organizations-ish. I'll say one forty-nine. Why not? This guy. I mean, hey, I gave yeah, it to you. We should have wrote it down, but I just had a number. It's and probably I like one thirty-six or something like that. Shane does get the points. Hey, give me that number. As the number was 322. Wow, we are crazy. That seems yeah. like so many guys. It's a, it's a I mean, it was multiple organizations over yeah. Yeah. 700 was, uh, and something six days. Six different organizations. Yeah. yeah. 55 episodes. JT Smith got counted twice. I mean, just, 30 people showing up in just at think, least one. Just think of this show alone. Yeah. There's a bunch of guys that it's probably the only time we ever see them. Good mm-hmm. point, good point. I know. I tried to bump the number up quite a bit. Uh, not enough, though. <laughs> Next Woo. week, House Party 1996. You Party. can call me kid. I'll be play. Why not? Play me. But, but, but yeah, <laughs> back to Philly. Def- oh. Definitely in House Philly. Party, not in your house. Although a house party could be in your house. Could be. Hopefully you have friends that will help you clean it's up. It's more fun when your house party's outside of your house, though, because then <laughs> oh, somebody else gets to clean. Absolutely. So the music from this episode is The Score by Emerson, Lake, and Powell. And Takata won our main event, so we play his theme music, Training Montauk. Fuck yeah, we got <laughs> new music. Ticola. We got new music. I'm excited to hear whatever that song sounds like. It's uh-huh. the Rocky song. Right? Oh, it's just the Rocky song? It's called Training Montauk. Bump, 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 Training Montauk. Yeah, that one? yeah, I wasn't sure. I was just That was what I came in my head, but I was like, well, maybe it's just called Training Montauk. That's what it's called. Oh, okay. That's what he used. Is it like the intro to Gonna Fly Now, or is it... It's like... from when he's doing the training thing. Okay. Yeah. It's, I know it's played. It's from, yeah, Rocky, Rocky. Four. Oh, yeah. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns. Recipes, drink ideas, food ideas, something from Philly, because here we go. It's 96, and uh, we're already in Philly on second not show. not slowing down. Nope. Definitely not. So yeah, uh, you know, slide into them DMs, shoot us an email, something. Let me know. Do you know what Taz's favorite sandwich is? Do you know I was trying to look that up earlier today? Actually, that's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any of those answers or recipes or any of that other stuff, you can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling h i s t o x. We'll talk to you next week. Laters!